Previously on Newsbreak, Lotus FM. And a very good afternoon to you. Welcome to Newsbreak Talk. I'm Tariq Shadi Pashad, keeping you updated as we bring you some cutting-edge current affairs. It's always very important to be focusing on um, a lot of the status with regard to COVID-19. So much of developments, I think, from a stage of understanding the disease. We're now at a point where um, we're talking a lot more about um, interventions and changes, whether it is um, relaxation of lockdown, whether it is increasing of certain protocol so i think there's always just so much of information for us to consume with regard to covid 19 and it's quite a privilege to be bringing able to bring that information through to you so let's start then with um some statistics in south africa with regard to covid 19 um at last count which was yesterday last night um six thousand 215 new cases of COVID-19 in South Africa brings the total to 124,590 positive cases uh, with recoveries at 64,111 deaths going up to 2,340. So that is the status. I think uh, new cases at 6,215. I mean, each time I report on that to you becomes even more real. Okay, so today we're going to be focusing on uh, two issues. We're going to be smoking on... uh, Smoking on... (laughs) We're going to be focusing on smoking because uh, there seems to be a great sort of contention with regard to this particular issue. Now, the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association, or FITA, has expressed their disappointment about the High Court in Pretoria's dismissal of its illegal challenge against government's current ban on the sale of tobacco products. A full bench of judges ruled that FITA's argument that cigarettes should be regarded as essential because tobacco is addictive has no merit. Lila Machnes reports. The High Court in Pretoria dismissed FITA's application with costs. In its ruling, the court said the ban did not have to be the best nor the most suitable approach, but that the medical material and other reports considered by the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Dr. Nkozuzana Dlameni Zuma, provided her with a firm, rational basis to outlaw the sale of tobacco products and cigarettes. FITA's chairperson, Sinentlantla Nguni, says they will make an announcement as to whether they will appeal the judgment soon. Well, I'm naturally disappointed in the outcome um, as we were hoping for a positive outcome and we're quite um, happy with the argument put forward by our legal team. Um, so we're, we're, pretty, we're studying judgment as we, as we speak and um, we will then make an announcement as to whether we will appeal um, the ruling by the full bench of the High Court. Meanwhile, British-American Tobacco SA's case against government over the sale of tobacco products, which was scheduled to be heard next Tuesday, was postponed until August. Nguni says in principle they support any attempt to unban the sale of tobacco products. Ultimately, we support anyone um, that um, is bringing any application um, that, that deals with the living of the cigarette ban. So, yes, I'm... Um, supportive of any anyone that brings such an application because we feel that um, the ban on the sale of cigarettes is arbitrary and it's definitely unjust and it uh, infringes on uh, on many rights and interests in as far as people, both smokers and people that are employed by the tobacco industry along the value chain. 
SIBC News understand, smokers are now paying on average 100 rand per packet of illegal cigarettes, which normally costs between 20 and 30 rand. I am Lila Magnus in Pretoria. Hmm, so there you go, smokers on average paying about 100 rand for products that would cost them previously about 20 rand. And I think as you go up the, um, you know, brands of cigarettes and they do increase. So yeah, that's that's the sort of uh, sentiment being expressed about the sale of cigarettes. And I think the National Council Against Smoking has welcomed the decision by the High Court and they say um, that... Um, the judgment is a win for public health and it reaffirms the duty of government to protect life and health services. Okay, so this is, a, this, this is the situation with regard to cigarettes and I want to know your thoughts. You can voice note to me and you can text me 0716137803. Uh, your thoughts with regard to the fact that FITA, um, you know, has kind of lost its legal challenge against government's current ban on the sale of tobacco products. What the court basically found was that the argument that uh, tobacco and sorry cigarettes should be considered essential because tobacco is addictive has no merit so you can talk to me about your thoughts with regard to that so now i'm very happy to be um joined on the line by mr yusuf abramji of tax justice south africa who's going to be talking to me about his thoughts with regard to this mr abramji good to speak with you after a very long time good afternoon Paresh. thank you very much so there you go. Your reaction to this? I mean, I know you don't welcome it, but you know, what is the reason why you think it was an incorrect decision by the Pretoria High Court? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think the um, court ruling uh, and the application brought by FITA came as a shock and a disappointment to many South Africans. Let's not forget that there are some 11 million smokers in South Africa. They believe that their rights have been infringed. Uh, and, and that is why I think uh, uh, my personal view is on an appeal a court might come to a different decision. Having said that, let's not forget that um, uh, it needs to be placed on record um, that smoking most certainly has its health uh, hazards, uh, but there is no credible scientific proof that there's a correlation between COVID-19 and smoking. In fact, the evidence presented by Minister Lamini Zuma in documents both before the Gauteng North High Court and the Cape Division of the Western Cape High Court uh, give some uh, idea uh, and, and some suggestions, but there's been no peer studies, there's been no credible, ev- uh, credible evidence, and other doctors and scientists uh, have come to the conclusion that uh, the ban on smoking is not the correct one. In fact, even Professor Mahdi from Brit University, who is a member of the Ministerial Committee, uh, expressed the view this week that uh, he finds the ban quite, uh, quite strange. So I think um, we need to be very clear uh, as to the motives. And at the end of the day, uh, your, your reporter, Laila, is quite correct. Uh, the end of the day, the illicit uh, cigarette trade is booming. A packet of cigarettes that usually costs 25, 30 rand is yeah. now being sold for 100 to 300 rand, and the criminals are smiling all the way to the bank. Sir. Yeah, yeah. We'll take those points further, Mr. Abramji. But, I mean, you say there's no sort of scientific backing with regard to uh, the link between an exacerbation of COVID 19 and the use of cigarettes. But as we understand it, I mean, it's pretty plain for everybody to see that uh, it's even marked in boxes that smoking causes lung cancer, lung disease, uh, and that kind of thing. So we do know the harmful effects of uh, smoking. And when you look at COVID-19 and the dynamic of the disease, it does affect the respiratory system. So, you know, what are your thoughts about that constant point being put forward to you? 
Over 2,000 people have died as a result of COVID-19 so far. How many of them are smokers? We don't know. There's no credible evidence. There's no credible proof. South Africa is now the only country in the world with a smoking ban. So if South Africa has the evidence, why aren't they sharing it with the rest of the world? Why are they hiding the evidence? We know that uh, members of parliament have asked Minister Dlamini Zuma in parliament in written questions to to provide the proof. She hasn't provided the proof uh, up to now. She claimed uh, when she made the announcement shortly after President Ramaphosa announced that cigarettes would be unbanned, that there were 2,000 submissions made. It now emerges that there were much less submissions made. So I don't think we need to be fooled by the arguments used by government. And even in the BAT application and others brought before the Cape High Court, suddenly now they claim there's new evidence because other doctors from around the world have now come forward saying there's no correlation between smoking and COVID-19. So I think government has a lot of explanation to do. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we all unanimous and we've said it before, smoking does have its health issues and we at Tech Justice South Africa are more concerned about the illicit trade. Mm. And I'm going to go through all of that because I know the Tax Justice South Africa really looks at that sort of, um, you know, aspect of the kind of loss to fiscus that this illicit trade of cigarette um, and tobacco products is causing. But let's talk about it. You know, I'm just, I think many have been trying to wrap their heads around it and they're trying to come up with the understanding. So comparatively speaking, what we understand is uh, South Africa had gone into a risk adjusted sort of um, lockdown and um, the balance issue came where you needed to save lives, but at the same time, uh, protect livelihoods in terms of the economy. Um, so it builds, brings me to this point of the fact that alcohol um, can be, you know, bought and traded. Um, and surely alcohol also has some sort of health impact on underlying issues that would make somebody more susceptible to suffering uh, from COVID-19. So your thoughts on this sort of disparity in what industries can open and what industries cannot, do you think the argument is strong? Well, I think it needs to be first of all said that uh, the intervention by government in terms of the lockdown is something that we all welcome. It was much needed. We need to all take the precautions to prevent uh, the country and the the continent and the world from COVID-19. And I think government moved quite timelessly with the ban. But in my view and in our view, a lot of the laws are irrational. Uh, let's take, for example, the issue of uh, restaurants now being open from Monday. The Minister of Tourism is very clear that uh, you can now go out to a restaurant and you can go and uh, have lunch uh, or supper with your family and friends. Or you can meet them in a casino, but you can't meet them in their own houses. Uh, that doesn't make sense at all. And even Derek Hanakom, the uh, former Minister of Tourism, tweeted this morning asking about whether leisure um, visits to hotels, uh, why isn't that allowed? So I think a lot of, of the laws uh, under the Disaster Management Act needs to be uh, thought out very, very clearly. Government seems to not be applying their minds properly. When it comes to alcohol, um, and we, we, we know from experience, bans uh, on, on certain products don't usually work. We know alcohol has a lot of detrimental, not only health issues, but even social uh, and behavioral issues. We know the Minister of Police has said repeatedly that um, since alcohol was unbanned, it's, it's uh, contributed to crime. Um, we, we know the, 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 even the Minister of Health has been saying that the number of people admitted to hospitals because of drinking has increased dramatically. We know that it contributes to road fatalities. And yet government has taken the decision. So when you compare the unbanning of alcohol to cigarettes, I think the smokers 
are being disadvantaged here and they've been targeted, which is very, very unfair. Uh, and again, you know, um, yeah. we've said it repeatedly yeah. that um, the laws seem to be not well thought out and there seems to be a, one or other hidden motive or an agenda uh, because um, even the health experts are arguing that point repeatedly. Yeah, so I think, Vinay, just based on that then, you know, a lot of sort of criticism with regard to the way the courts are approaching this and even the way government is approaching it. So the motive for banning cigarettes, and this was a question that came through on our WhatsApp line, are you saying then that the courts are part of some sort of conspiracy? Is the judiciary compromised in this sense because it seems as if they're not, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of de- decision-making seems to be irrational by many quarters and many organizations suggesting it? Let's not forget that the FITA application in front of the Gauteng High Court was not testing the constitutionality or the law itself. It was simply asking that cigarettes be uh, largely, that cigarettes be uh, considered as an essential item and that laws are irrational. And that is on those basis the court made a decision. In the BAT and the other applicants' case that is now going to be taking place in the, um, uh, in the uh, Western Cape, on the Cape High Court in August, they are clearly testing the constitutionality of the ban. They're testing the, uh, the, the, the law itself. Uh, and, and I think that is a very important element uh, of the differences between these two cases. So the courts haven't made a decision. I still think that if FITA takes this uh, case on appeal, they probably will have a very good chance before another court. Um, and, and I think the delay in now moving the, the BAT uh, and the other applicants' case from next week, Tuesday, yeah. to a full bench in August is going to be very, very disadvantageous. They say justice delayed is justice denied. We know that uh, BAT is objected. Government says that uh, BAT came with new evidence, which they deny. Uh, so it seems to me that even the courts are delaying the issue for whatever reason. Um, and I think we, we, we need to place on record that we have confidence in our courts. Uh, but let's not forget that the courts look at um, the merits of each and every case. Uh, although I, it might be said that other courts will come to different decisions and perhaps the constitutional court will eventually have to adjudicate on this matter. Mm, I'm going to push it further, Mr. Abramji, and just your thoughts and you can be, uh, you know, you can d- decide how best to go go ahead with a response like this. What are your thoughts on, you know, these sort of internal ramblings with regard to this? Because I asked this simply based on one point. You have at one point, and this was around, I think it was the announcement of the proposed alert level four of lockdown where President says cigarettes will be will be tobacco products will be allowed days later you get the decision overturned so from that perspective what are your thoughts about this sort of you know um wrangling specifically within that command council perspective clearly the president made a decision it must have been discussed in detail uh, when it came to a subsequent uh, announcement by the minister of corporate governance Lamini zuma the decision was overturned she even lied to say that there were 2000 submissions uh, there were much less submissions made. A lot of them were duplications and other ones were unrelated. Also, uh, the pro-smoking uh, lobby wasn't given an opportunity because the president made the announcement and suddenly the minister overturned it. So the pro-smoking lobby and the cigarette manufacturers didn't give a, get a chance to make any presentation, and that's very, very unfair. So I think, again, one or two individuals, in my view, within government might be driving this no-smoking agenda, uh, which is fine, but to... Uh, to really go this length of uh, now making it a collective decision is a real problem. We know the Minister of Finance, Tito Imboeni, is on record as saying that he objected to the ban on smoking and alcohol because of the loss of revenue to the fiscal, and yet, despite that, uh, the decision was overturned. So 
Clearly, there seems to be some divisions within government, but the ongoing ban is really going to cost South Africa more and more money, and I think it really needs to be said. It really questions the Bill of Rights and the uh, Constitution because a lot of the rights of ordinary citizens are now being infringed thanks to this lockdown. Mm, and I did want to talk to you about one more point, but I think I want to shift now to some of the tax issues and finance issues. I mean, Mr. Abramji, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, the whole notion that um, it's non-essential. Um, and I think, of course, Fita arguing that it is an uh, addictive substance, therefore it should be essential. Court over, overthrowing that. Um, what we understand of addiction is that it is um, heavily linked to some sort of um, neuro sort of um, uh, a neurosystem sort of impairment, call it, you know, addiction, call it mental illness. So, um, you know, you've got to wonder the sort of negation of mental illness, of, of, of addiction, um, and that the courts and government are putting forward. But let's leave that one out, Mr. Abramji. Let's talk about the, um, you know, the, the loss of 1.4 billion rand in taxes, and that's, you know, having a negative impact on the economy at a time when the finance minister is forced to do a supplementary budget to try and stabilize the situation. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think, uh, let me just say, your question about addiction is a real problem. We know that the smokers are being punished. We know they're now being turned into criminals, and we know people are suffering. There was one case where a lady said her mother cannot get cigarettes, and she's now threatening to commit suicide and putting her own life at risk. So the effects are many, many uh, in terms of the addiction and the, the addiction to nicotine specifically. When it comes to our first kiss, we know that uh, post the lockdown, the illicit trade was booming. Uh, just to give you a bit of background, um, packets of cigarettes which are usually... Uh, cost about uh, 25, 30 rand are now being sold for 100 to even 300 rand in some cases. A lot of the criminals are taking advantage. These cigarettes are being traded openly on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media. People are selling them in corners, in parking lots. We know some of the traders are now selling them for uh, prices that are skyrocketing. And yes, uh, our calculations showed that uh, on average about 35 million rand is being lost in excise duties each and every day as a result of the ban of cigarettes. During the first 90 days of the lockdown, that amounts to 1.3, 1.4 billion rand almost. How many ventilators could government have bought with 1.3 billion rand? Probably about 17,000. How many doctors' salaries, nurses' salaries could have been paid at a time when the economy is in dumps? We know the commissioner of SARS, Edwin Kiswetter, uh, uh, is on record as saying that billions of rand is being lost as a result of the uh, ban on, on cigarettes. So we find the ban very, very uh, bizarre, and we're saying that the criminals are making the money because that money that's supposed to be going to the people of South Africa and to the government is now going right into the pockets of organized syndicates involved in the illicit trade. Also, we need to explain, post the lockdown, a packet of cigarettes usually being sold for anything under 25 rand will be regarded as an illicit product. Uh, the minimum taxes or custom ex- uh, uh, excise duties payable on a pack of 20 cigarettes, for example, is about 20 rand, 60 some odd cents, uh, which means that you can produce a packet of 20 cigarettes right from the tobacco grower uh, to the farmers to the entire chain up to the end for three or four rand with the packaging. So any packet of cigarettes being sold for under 25 rand is an illicit product. And we know that even post the lockdown, we on record are saying that some of these products are illicit we know who the culprits are uh, because the taxes are not being paid. But now, forget that um, every cent being sold through the illicit trade is going right into the pockets of the criminals. Government is not getting one cent thanks to the lockdown and thanks to the ban. And that's why we're calling the president to do the right thing at this late stage and still unban it. Uh, and we know that um, 
government, uh, although they warned this particular case and another case is pending, must really look at the interests of South Africa and the interests. Uh, not of the criminals and the organized gangs. But I want to talk about that. You know, what is it then doing to sort of oil that machinery of organized crime in South Africa? Because this is a booming illicit trade right now. Um, And and this is another point, uh, Mr. Abramji. Um, While cigarettes may be really expensive right now, the reality is it is readily available. That is the point, right? And obviously, those who do have the finances are able to fork out 200 rand on a box to get their cigarettes. So the point is that the cigarettes are readily available on that black market. My question to you is, how is it oiling that machinery of illicit trade to the point that, you know, who knows what South Africa could be putting on that black market next, um, even if cigarettes do become legal again, you know? How is it really creating a culture and a space for illicit activity to continue and thrive in South Africa? Studies by the HSRC, studies by UCT, studies by uh, investigation by many media organizations, both print and television, have shown how easy it is to buy cigarettes on the black market. You simply take a drive, you come to a corner, even at the street vendors are selling other products are now selling cigarettes. You go to a shop, the guy will sell you cigarettes. You go on Instagram or Facebook, they're advertising it openly. These cigarettes are readily available, and the majority of smokers are still getting cigarettes, and that is the point. We are, we are undermining the lockdown. People are traveling unnecessarily looking for cigarettes. And the biggest concern also for us is what the minister, Lamini Zuma, said when she made the announcement. Uh, in the old days, people used to share cigarettes. They could share the so-called doll. We are now finding from the reports coming in, because of the high prices of cigarettes because of the shortage in some areas, people are now sharing cigarettes. Can you imagine what a health risk we are causing, what the potential of spreading COVID on a mass scale by people sharing cigarettes? And that is why we say government must wake up, government must see that uh, this thing is now causing major problems and they need not um, uh, continue any further with this ban because the ban is really becoming very unnecessary. We know Botswana had a ban until this week. They lifted the ban. So South Africa is now the only country mm. that the smuggling is right. I wanted food- to ask about that, Mr. Abrimji. Mm. You, you know, uh, South Africa then and their smoking ban in relation to international com- countries. Where does South Africa fare? There was a, a, a partial ban in India for a while. That ban was lifted. There was a ban in Botswana. That ban has now been lifted, so we are now the only country in the world with a ban. What does it tell you? What makes South Africa different from the rest of the world? Simply because one or two or three cabinet ministers have a view, and it's purportedly part of the collective, that's absolute rubbish. And I think that really we are being misled here. We are being taken for fools, and our rights are being infringed. And I can just tell you for the record, uh, people I might say, because I'm a smoker, I'm a non-smoker, I'm not uh, promoting the cigarette trade. All we are concerned about at Tech Justice South Africa is the fact that the illicit trade is booming and the criminals are making money, not only in this particular trade. We've also repeatedly raised the concerns about counterfeit goods, about the uh, problems within the textile industry, the alcohol industry, uh, the ma- ma- pharmaceutical industry, where counterfeit and fake products are being sold. And we are now seeing it thanks to government's ban that the illicit trade in cigarettes is booming. Mm. Mr. Apramji, I'm going to go to my WhatsApp line. Now, there's so many messages coming through. And you can listen to these messages and then we'll just wrap up our conversation. Uh, so, yeah, these are the th- sorts of messages and even questions that have come through for you. So let's um, go through them. Um, we're going to go to some of the voice notes now. Let's go. Hello there. Well, it is shocking what crooks can do and who they can bribe. 
I'm, not, I'm a non-smoker, but it is so unfair when I see people spending their food money to buy cigarettes. Hmm. Interesting point there. More voice notes now before we go to some text messages that have come through. Uh, let's go to let's go to this voice note. Hello, Hello and good afternoon. Uh, if the sale of the cigarette ban was harmful to the people and to all the smokers, what was the need to open alcohol, which is more a dangerous people have lost lives the reason the illicit uh, cigarettes are being sold is in my opinion it's non-text and people are eating the money we're living in a corrupt world where nobody wants to listen as to what is right and what is wrong thank you thanks so much uh, that message was from um that was from Pravina Kiran of Colenso. Thank you so much for that. To some text now, Anonymous says, Yes, I agree that the tobacco products are harmful to health, but so is the consum- consumption of alcohol. It damages the lungs and kidneys, further causes disruptive behavior. Danny says, Thanks for bringing us up to date with regard to the cigarette ban. It's not fair in our country. Um, and... Um, Mrs. Moodley says the ban of cigarettes is putting public in more danger as people are turning to illicit cigarettes and also causing more poverty as these illicit cigarettes are very expensive. Elaine Patta from Tongat says my husband and I are non-smokers but what government is doing is not right. People are smoking cheap cigarettes and they are very bad for their health. I see them selling those cheap cigarettes. It's illegal. Feroza in Actonville asks... Um, what about the health and social damage of alcohol? Rajan Rajkumar from Cape Town says, I echo Mr. Yusuf Abramji's sentiments. Smoking must be unbanned immediately. Illicit cigarettes traders are smiling all the way to the bank. Clinton says, hello. Uh, and the band of cigarettes um, by Dlamini Zuma is utter, but it's fine. Okay, I'm going to leave it there with you, Clinton. Bina Ramdhari says, I don't smoke, but I like the ban to be uplifted. My reason is you cannot walk into the Phoenix Plaza in peace. The youngsters are practically in your face selling cigarettes. Mrs. Deepale says, it's a burning issue. Illegal cigarettes are uh, flooded in the Phoenix Plaza area. Ramba Mudli says, whether the ban or not, I see people still smoking. So why not lift the ban so the government can collect taxes? Okay, I'm going to leave it there and I'll come back to those messages. But Mr. Abramji, as you leave us now, I mean, I know, um, you know, that, uh, that particular case, was by uh, Fita. Batsa's going to go through it again. Of course, the delay there, and nobody's happy about that. Uh, many saying, you know, a further agony there for smokers by postponing it for a month. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, it's a really bustling narrative. I mean, you've got so many people upset about it, questioning the irrationality. Smokers are upset about it. Economists are questioning um, how money is literally going up in smoke. Um you know, any sort of change in the in the fight against this ban now? Because I know it's been going through courts and it's been going through a lot of lobby. But your thoughts on whether or not a change is needed in the fight? Well, I think the public sentiment is very clear from all the WhatsApp messages you've read and the voice notes we've heard. Uh, there didn't uh, appear to be one listener who is uh, pro the ban. And that says a lot. And there's the same feedback we're getting largely on social media and from uh, people across South Africa. Um, we, it, it must be said that, that, you know, the alcohol issue that has been raised, even by our listeners there, is very, very clear. And I agree that alcohol has more detrimental effects. And, and there again, we've seen that, uh, uh, that uh, how alcohol is clearly being abused. Uh, whereas on cigarettes, yes, it might have its health issues, but I don't think uh, the, uh, perhaps the ban is contributing to more adverse uh, behavioral issues, which uh, perhaps psychologists and, and, and doctors will be able to explain more because of the addiction problem. I think at this late stage, we're making a repeated call on government 
to uh, unbanned cigarettes. We are now 23 days into the lockdown. Uh, we know that possibly when we move to level two, we don't know when that is going to be. Uh, we might see that cigarettes uh, will be unbanned. And I think that government must save face uh, at this late stage, pending the one more case, pending the appeal before the, the, the court in, in Gauteng and probably going to the Supreme Court of Appeal. And probably uh, with the Constitutional Court later this year going to look at it. We, we're just saying that delaying this thing is going to cause more damage to South Africa. We agree with the economists. We agree with uh, a large uh, sentiment of the media fraternity where people have been expressing their views and with all the South Africans. And if we are a listening government, as government claims, listen to the people. And the people are saying unbanned secret. So government should do what is right because this is severely damaging our country. It's uh, contributing to crime. It's contributing to the illicit trade. It's contributing to all the problems that we are having. And government must really uh, lift the ban on secrets immediately. Mr. Yusuf Abramji from Tax Justice South Africa, thanks for your time and spending the time talking to the audience about this uh, this particular issue. Thank you very much, Robert. Thank you very much. We look to staying in touch with you there. So I'm going to go to some more WhatsApp messages and then we're going to shift our focus to some economics um, about the issue. Ian Governor says, I'm very happy that cigarettes have been declared non-essential. Smokers quit smoking. Smokers also infringe on the rights of non-smokers. Secondhand smoke affects non-smokers. A friend died from lung cancer due to smoking. D Singh says, I despise both alcohol and cigarettes. However, which one is less of the evil? I would think cigarettes. Tanesh from Randberg says, I feel that government is forcing more people to share, causing people to not have a meal in order to have a smoke. Alcohol is clearly more harmful than cigarettes. People should still have their own choice whether they want to smoke or not. We as smokers should have our rights. Rani uh, from Stanger Manor says, as much as we say that smoking is harmful, um, an expensive habit. Smokers will go to any lens to obtain cigarettes. Whatever the courts decide, it won't matter to a smoker. Not condoning smokers, but many who have passed on with COVID-19 were not smokers. So, yep, those are the sorts of messages that are coming through. We'll go through more and then we let's go to some voice notes even. Um, hello there, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Newsbreak. Lovely topic. How are the cigars getting into the tax shop and to all the other guys that are selling them at such expensive prices and uh, it's all corruption it's corruption is corruption corruption even the sasa grants are corruption people who haven't applied for it are receiving the 350 grand thank you love Shani bye bye thanks so much Shani. we appreciate your uh, point let's go to another voice note now um hello there how are you doing Hi, what's the use of banning cigarettes and saying it's a health issue? What about going to casinos? Is that not an health issue? Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the, uh, the impact of mental illness, I did do a interview earlier this week about uh, the impact of um, uh, mental illness and um, COVID-19 and gambling specifically. Okay, when we come back, you can still go ahead and talk to me about smoking. No no worries at all, but I want to focus on some economic recovery, taking into account that Finance Minister Tito Mbueni presented a supplementary budget earlier this week. We'll talk about that when we return. 
For over 50 years, ShopRite has always been here for you. And our promise to bring you low prices on what you need most will never change. Get a one kilo tub of stalk 40% fat spread, only $32.99. And 50 mils shield roll-on, just $14.99. Don't miss out. Prices valid until 12 July. Only at ShopRite. One stop, one safer shop. SABC3 brings you the award-winning comedy drama, This Is Us. Everyone has a family, and every family has a story. This Is Us chronicles the Pearson family across the decades. From Jack and Rebecca as young parents in the 1980s, to their 37-year-old kids, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, searching for love and fulfillment in present day. Don't miss This Is Us, every weekday at 6.30pm, only on SABC3. Okay, so that's about 22.1 here on Newsbreak Talk with me, Taurish. Very good afternoon to you. I'm shifting our focus now and I want to talk about a particularly important issue. Um, and bef- uh, before we do that, let's just remind you that Finance Minister Tito Mbueni painted a bleak picture of the country's economic situation as it battles the coronavirus. The minister tabled his supplementary budget in an online speech this week as the country marked the 90th day of COVID-19 lockdown. But when he had said that South Africa will likely borrow more money, miss its tax collection targets and expects the economy to contract further. Okay, so that's basically it in a nutshell. I tried my best to um, save the time with regard to that particular one because um, I'd like to invite onto our program now uh, Lebo Pasha. He's the general manager of the African Management Institute, Southern Africa. Lebo, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me and greetings to you and the listeners. Thanks so much. So, Lebo, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, play some excerpts of the budget speech, but I think, you know, just based on the fact that the conversation about cigarettes took so long, I would not possibly have the time. So, you know, just your thoughts in a nutshell with regard to what Finance Minister Tumbuweni uh, outlined. I mean, as I said there, um, you know, what he basically said was that South Africa is going to need to borrow more money, miss its tax collection targets, and the economy is going to contract further. A bleak picture, you think? It's a very, very bleak picture. Um, there's always hope, but definitely it's a bleak picture. I think what really makes the picture really bleak is um, coronavirus or COVID-19 has taken center stage in not just um, our social lives or the social part of life, but politics and economics. And we tend to forget as South Africans that before that, our economy was not performing well. Um, we're actually already heading towards um, a recession, and things have just worsened. So um, having been hit by the coronavirus pandemic, during that sort of economic downturn already, I think it's just made things much, much worse. Yeah. And specifically on business, Lebo, if you could talk to me about that, um, you know, whether it is the small SMMEs or, you know, even bigger corporates, um, been having some shocking conversations with people who've worked in, you know, uh, for corporations that I never thought would have any sort of financial crisis, telling me they were retrenched or they were laid off. And um, it's real. And uh, we've been trying to, you know, tell some real stories. And I think at this point, I'll invite you on WhatsApp now to please talk to me about that. Um, Let's talk about, you know, have you you been retrenched? Has your 
business been forced to close? Um, you know, what has been your sort of economic um, challenge with regard to COVID-19 in terms of your finances and your business? Uh, and you tell me, Lebo, it's had a negative impact on businesses, hasn't it? It definitely has. I think um, with what we do at AMI, we focus on SMEs, but we also work with businesses. So basically, every single business from a startup um, up to large corporations, um, we work with them. And um, what I'd say is there's no way businesses would not be touched. The government so far, I think, has done um, pretty well for where we were as a country at the beginning of the year in providing relief, broad relief. Uh, was broad as they could make it. They've done really well also in implementing the lockdown. I think the bigger issues are around the details, both with looking at COVID-19 and responding to it using the lockdown and also with the relief and trying to broaden the relief as much as possible. So um, in, in some of the work they've done at, the, um, at a higher level, they've done really well. But a lot of the conflict um, has come from a lot of the details. So... In a lot of cases, governments want to prioritize the poor and the vulnerable, and I think they've definitely done that. They've set aside money for it, but implementation has not been great. And so, also so, made so, sure so what are your thoughts then on that implementation? Why do you think it's not been great? I think we've, we've really dropped the ball in making sure that the most vulnerable people get that support. Um, the 350 rand grants have taken a very long time to implement and um, actually provide tangible support to those vulnerable people they were supposed to help. Um, so that's where I think the biggest ball has been dropped. But the idea, the concept itself is very solid. Um, it's definitely needed in a country that's having rising unemployment right now. There's a lot of people that are on short pay. There are a lot of people that will be retrenched um, and are already retrenched from the past um, two, three months already. So... Um, it's, it's, it's that on the one end, and then looking broader, you want broader relief as well. It needs to touch your SMEs, it needs to touch larger corporations. And I think there as well, the concept is great, but it's also the form of that support because providing loan support only defers the pain. It means you're basically being allowed to, to run or given a bit additional runway for your business for another three to six months. But in three to six months' time, nobody knows what the market will look like. We can all guess um, that it will probably not be as good as it was this time last year. And you will now be expected over and above um, all the additional expenses you would have had to either support workers that are being retrenched or um, having to struggle with sales that have decreased. You will now also have to now pay, um, pay up one of these loans that are for COVID relief. So I think it would have been better if we'd gotten more grants rather than loans. Um, but again, we're also in a bit of a cash chain too, where the government doesn't really have the money. Yeah. Lebo, you started off by saying that, uh, you know, it's looking bleak, but there's always hope and one must be hopeful. And I know you've particularly started a sort of business survival boot camp um, to try and get local businesses and SMEs, um, you know, sort of equipped and ready to handle this sort of thing. Take me through that boot camp. Ultimately, you know, what do you what do you provide to business? Yeah, so looking specifically at the hope, I think um, just before the COVID pandemic, there was a lot of talk around 4IR and that 4IR would level the playing field between developed countries and developing nations. And I think COVID, as bad as it will be for a lot of people in the world, I think it will open up opportunities. 
And what we've done at AMI is um, we've looked at what we're really good at and providing impactful learning and development and also providing tools that businesses can use to turn around their businesses, to grow their businesses um, and accelerate um, um, development of their businesses. And we decided to develop a boot camp. Uh, initially, it was focused on survival. And we realized that a lot of our clients, a lot of the businesses that we work with were struggling with um, the huge uncertainty around how long will the, the, the lockdowns be, what impact they will have. And what we did is we put together a boot camp, which is essentially a 90-minute webinar um, with accelerated introductions to the tools. And the tools focus on scenario planning. Scenario planning helps you plan for an uncertain future. It's not going to give you all the answers, but it helps you think broad enough so that when you do start um, um, facing some of these hard decisions, like you've mentioned, um, looking at whether do I pay my employees less, do I let go of some of them, if you've done a scenario plan before, it will help you make those decisions better. We looked at risk management as well and how to mitigate some of these big risks because we forget some of the, um, um, the, the smaller headaches that are coming down the line. Maybe you've got a balloon payment um, on a loan or something like that in your business in October. It's not a big priority now, but when you get to October and you don't have the money, it becomes big. And that's when um, we also looked at the cash flow and cash flow forecasting. So that was the initial boot camp. We're currently running a new boot camp called Reboot, which focuses on innovation. And basically, in short, I'd say it says, let's look at what resources you have. Let's look at the capabilities you have right now. Let's use that and find ways to, to help you retain your clients or help you build new markets where you can actually trade and, and um, move into a new direction because we now are in that post-COVID world. Um, wow. So I think those are definitely you know, thought processes that many could, um, you know, try and implement to understand uh, how to how to navigate through the system a little bit more. But, you know, when you look at it in terms of um, fully understanding uh, the, 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 the status of um, these focus areas, you know, let's talk about why it is essential because many um are looking at it and i know you in you mentioned innovation there you know to stay ahead in in order to, to possibly kind of adapt your business and, and and your service to meet the um to adjust to the new normal as COVID 19 predicts talk to me about um why businesses should be looking at this particular aspect as opposed to just trying to balance the books and you know basically and make ends meet uh talk to me about that so you do need to do it because I guarantee if you're not doing it, your competitors are. So there's a business that we were advising um, that was in the landscaping space and they actually lost a few clients to competitors that were willing to look at other capabilities that they had to offer broader services at a lower price, so to capture that market. And believe me, if you aren't thinking about innovating, if you aren't thinking about getting a bigger share of your clients' wallets as an SME, you're going to really struggle to survive going forward because there's less money going around and it, it definitely needs you to think broader than just um, surviving in terms of getting some sort of COVID relief um, to survive the next couple of months. So you need to think about that. And also, it's, it's, it's a challenge that a lot of SMEs have right now because if you're in an established business, you need to start thinking like an entrepreneur again. You really need to start doing that to see the opportunities, but also to build new businesses within your existing business. 
to ensure that you actually survive. Yeah, I think that's just about how everybody's going to have to adapt now. Um, and I think just your, you know, your your uh, thoughts on how, rather what, um, businesses can learn from this COVID-19 story now, because it came out of the blue and it just spread through and it, you know, bolted everything into a lockdown. Um, what can businesses in South Africa learn from this? I think there's a lot to learn, but um, I think for me personally, and my experiences with working a couple of SMEs um, right now, I'd say the one thing it's really brought to the front for me is fundamentals. It's things like cash. Cash is always king. We always say that. But the businesses that have been really badly exposed um, in terms of cash flows are the businesses that have either overextended credit to non-credit-worthy customers or are selling on credit because um, when there's a cash crunch in your in your client's uh, own business, they need to choose who they're paying first. And um, businesses that are trading on cash have had less of an impact on their, their own cash flows from these sort of um, these sort of priority measures by their clients. So definitely that one stays top of mind. The other one is also building a balance sheet, having some form of, of war chest. So you need to look at savings even within your business so that you are able to adapt quickly to anything that may change. And then the last one for me that's really, really, really important is both scenario planning and, and risk, risk management. So it, it, it feeds into your strategy looking forward. Most um, entrepreneurs, most startups, and some sure um, SME um, owners as well forget to think beyond the current month, beyond what needs to be done today in the office. And that is very important because those are the business owners that are really having a huge headache right now because um, they spend 80-90% of their time focused on today. And with the huge shift in things right now, they find themselves in a situation where the activity levels have dropped, but they've never, they haven't put in enough thinking beyond um, daily, weekly, and monthly operations. And they're now forced to do that because there are huge shifts in the market. So those for me would be the top three things I think I've, I've seen as important for, for SMEs. Wonderful. Well, Lebo Pasha, the GM for African Management Institute, Southern Africa, thank you so much for your time, for uh, explaining to us, you know, how businesses and SMEs may uh, weather the storm. We appreciate it and look forward to uh, more of such information about your boot camps. Thank you very much. And I hope um, all of the listeners out there will will go out and join some of our boot camps. And I, and I wish them all the best. I think it's going to be a tough year, but there's definitely opportunities. Thank Pasha, the general manager from African Management Institute, Southern Africa, talking to us there. June comes with cooler temperatures, but Afternoon Express is bringing the heat. This youth month will be giving you the biggest celebrities, along with the country's leading experts on fitness and health. We'll also be getting advice on all things business and finance, as well as guidance on nurturing our relationships with our loved ones. The cherry on top is our inspired and delectable recipes served by our incredible chefs. So don't miss Afternoon Express weekdays at 5 p.m. Only on SABC3. Now more than ever, at SPA, we understand the importance of standing together. That's why we're committed to helping our communities and our customers adjust to the new realities of life with our 100,000 Bags of Hope initiative. Swipe your SPA rewards card with any purchase and you could be given a 2.5 kg bag of SPA Super Maze Meal. 
Spa. Because while you are there for the people you love, we are here for you. When it comes to cooking deliciously authentic curries, I only use Paco's traditional roasted masala. It's made the same way it's been done for centuries. The finest selection of whole spices is roasted to perfection before it's grounded and blended into the perfect masala mix. It adds that authentic depth of flavor and fragrance that leaves everyone wanting more. From my lips to your ears, it's like bringing India to your table. Paco, make every meal a feast. Join Chef Siso Hena in Rustic Chakula, a modern-day yuppie African foodie show that explores African-grown art, music, books, destinations, traditions, and culture. Hang out with African celebs where they demystify the old contemporary favorites that can be easily done by you, the viewer at home. Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. only on SABC3. Good afternoon to the Newspeak team. Always thankful for the informative information. Oh, well, you know what? There's better things to worry about than cigarettes and alcohol. I mean, that's for the every per individual's uh, action has to play for their own reaction, thinking whether they want it or don't want it. There's much more important things to worry about is the ones that's doing the rape. There should be no such thing as a word called bail. Bail should be out of the government's mouth, never be spoken from the government's mouth, and they should be put in forever. Because when they walk out, they're walking out back as men. And you know what? I can do this, and I can do it again and again and again, which is so sad. But even if they are caught with rape again, I think the government should never ever give bail to anyone. Well, powerful sentiment coming through there saying that, uh, you know, with the situation of gender-based violence and rape in the country, uh, there are certainly are bigger things to worry about. Um, and yeah, that constant call of no bail for, for rape suspects. Uh, let's go to this voice note. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good day. Uh, my name is Claudette and this is my story. My brother joined Unkonto with Cesare those years ago and also fought for the liberation of this country for those very judges and that, um, I can't even say her name, that woman with the, that's banning the smokes. He suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and his only way that he can cope is to have a smoke and that was just taken away from him without any regard for his well-being. And he fought for this country. A lot of those judges and those other people don't even have credentials to say that they fought for the liberation. So I am so sick and tired of this crap and something needs to change and soon. Yeah, that was a particularly um, powerful sort of voice note there. And I think by, um, and if you understand what that woman is saying, um, she mentioned there that uh, he was a fighter in Mkonto Wesizwe. And what we know, and I've, and I've once read a journal article about this, that a lot of war veterans um, 
pick up the you know post traumatic stress disorder based on the nature of fighting what it does to the uh, sort of um, you know anxiety fight or flight response system of the human body in a war context in a fighting context um sometimes just the various sounds of of uh, of um you know artillery um could be enough to cause somebody to suffer from post traumatic um stress disorder um and you know this person suggests that they you know deal with it through smoking and now they can't so imagine that sort of health of course you know this is by no way saying that smoking is the cure for something like post traumatic stress disorder but i guess what the woman goes on to say was that you know people have different coping mechanisms and uh, these should be um respected so um yeah interesting interesting to look at it from that perspective there let's go to this voice note it's mrs nirmala devi mudli who wants to say hello hello there good afternoon tarish an informative show as always tobacco a non essential product that comes with health risk factors not forgetting purchasing it illegally at exorbitant prices right now is a serious concern and consideration for the smokers at large and of course government's decision to flatten the curve in the fight with covid-19 pandemic thank you mrs nilman Yeah I think that name needs no introduction or even outro <laughs> we know it well Mrs Nirmala Devi Mudli uh Selvin sent us a message let's go uh, yeah I forgot to mention to uh just waiting for that to work for us and yeah here we go here Selvin hello good afternoon Tarish Hari Prasad and the team and the listeners I'm sure you are looking forward to me my opinions Well, basically i think people should be careful about investments do not go around investing and uh, for instance a return of 7.8% and be excited about it if it's taxable i would rather if you have debts use that money to pay off the debts because if you borrowed money at 12% and you're investing at 7% you're losing out you rather pay off the debt which is 12% you're actually earning interest at 12% but not earning it it's a paradoxical situation so basically do not create debts till 2023 just be careful have a great safe day and tarish once again thanks for everything cheers thanks alvin for that i know the um there's a lot of up and down there on that interest rate and i think we need to unpack that at a point hey and to talk about um you know the sort of returns you're getting on your investments right now it's of course you know a little bit lower now taking the interest rate into account and of course uh, lending rates then you know are a lot um a a lot more relaxed so i think uh, that's an interesting dynamic to understand so here's this message anonymous says i'm disappointed at the outcome of fita they had a very strong case um how could a casino be allowed a cinema and so forth we told cigarettes are not considered essential but neither is a cinema or casino i cannot handle these withdrawal symptoms i'm depressed my body is going through a very tough time and some people are actually committing suicide because of this i don't think that this is fair and government should consider the rights of citizens yeah that was um another sort of um insight there into a person going through the withdrawals mrs chetty says it's high time government realize what they're doing they're losing a lot of money and not in not selling cigarettes um they have a hidden agenda behind this illegal cigarettes are coming into the country um yeah and i think uh, i'll just take one more that's from um um 
Michelle Michaela from Phoenix says, our country has very tight budget at present. Even if the country borrows any money, South Africa will still be in trouble. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for all your thoughts and your opinions coming through today on the program. Uh, we'll have to say goodbye now. The broadcast came your way courtesy of the team, executive producer Selma Patel and Rachel Buddy. I'll talk to you tomorrow between 12 and 1. We'll do another bit of focus on some of the very important issues in your world. From me, Tadeesh, hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.